Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy, my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff. Text me 949-415-6256. Please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book, The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. It's been selling really well, getting very well received by the community. Thank you guys so much for that. Also check out the YouTube member page. Join this channel to get perks. That's my YouTube uh, membership. It's 10 bucks a month. You get a monthly mastermind exclusively. It's a Zoom call every month with other YouTube members. Uh, You also get weekly videos exclusive to the YouTube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences. So check that out. Really means a lot to me. And thank you so much again for listening and enjoy. Guru Nation, welcome back to another episode. You know, it's been like these podcasts have been hard, Vita. I've been busy. It's been hard to like sit down and do an interview. I've just been doing the quick videos because of running the site, but I finally hired two coordinators. They finally know what they're doing. And um, if they don't, it's my fault, but they mostly do. And so I freeze up some time like this, like Vita and I apologize. We've like rescheduled this podcast so many times and that's my bad. It's just very chaotic until very recently. It's been very chaotic, but now it's a little more stable. So Vita Milani, thank you so much for coming on. Vita is somebody who did the CRA Academy, but that's not why she's on. I mean, that's cool, but that's not why she's here. She's here because her background is journalism. Her background has nothing to do with science. And now she is, for a big CRO, an assistant CRA. And um, on her way to be a Siri very soon. And you've done this all in like a relatively short amount of time. I mean, you did the CRA Academy. When was it? 2020? It was January of 2021. Oh, January 2021. Right. January of 2021 is when I started the Academy. I graduated. I think it was April. I got a position at the site in May. And meanwhile, I was applying to the big CRO while I was at the site level here. I'm in Atlanta. So um, so I was applying to the the big CRO, working at the site. Meanwhile, I was a research assistant. So I was, you know, I just went ground level um, and then got a call from the big CRO about becoming a CRA. But I had the interview and they said, we don't feel like you're quite ready. So um, I was a little bit bummed about that, but uh, they offered me a remote site monitor position 
And of course, I jumped at the opportunity for that because I thought if I can get my foot in the door, then, you know, the sky's the limit from that point. So that's all you got to do. That's what I did. But okay, all right, that's let's back up a lot. But Mm -hmm. uh, the last thing you said, remote site monitor, did you was that the first time you heard of this role? Like when they offered it to you? Um, yeah, I see, you know, all you're thinking about is CRA, CRC, you're not thinking, you don't know what you don't know. I don't know how else to articulate this. That's so true, so true. I mean, if you can just get your foot in the door in any way possible. I mean, do it, you know, if it's, especially if it's at the company that you want to be at, you know, this was the company that I really had my mind set on. So when they called, I was really ready to jump on anything. Of course I wanted to be the CRA. Um, but, but, you know, they didn't feel like I was ready. Honestly, I wasn't ready myself. So I think they had a good assessment of that. Hmm. Um, and, and so coming in as a remote site monitor, I have learned so much, like it's an invaluable Hmm. experience. I'm so grateful for it. Um, I'm on two studies. So I have, uh, I, so with the CRO, basically they just place you with um, a study that they're in need of. So it's just kind of like luck of the draw. So I actually got an oncology study right away. Ooh, and nice. then, yeah, it was nice. And then I also, I'm on a rare disease trial. So, um, and so you have a utilization, it'll be like 70%, 30%. And that's how it is. So I'm 30% on the oncology trial. I only have four sites that I deal with. And then I'm 70% on the rare disease and I have 14 sites. And I did at one point have 21 sites, but a few of them got handed over to another RSM. So, (laughs) and I know a few RSMs, Ashley Margo, a good friend of mine, she actually is helps all the CRA Academy students with their resumes. I think she started right after your class Vita. I don't know. Did she do your CV? She didn't do my CV. Okay. Was it me? No, nobody did it. I did it myself. Wow, Vita. That... I should have had you guys do it. It's okay, though. Because, I did it myself. I mean, we'll do it for you. Yeah. But that that fact that you did it yourself says a lot. You know, that it's okay. That yeah. You take initiative. Um, well, let's go back. But mm-hmm. maybe before we go back, like you say, you have 14 sites. So I'm curious. What do remote site what kind of interactions do remote site monitors have with sites okay so with my CRA I mean with my CRO I know a lot of companies are different with the way that they have it set up so with a lot of other CROs basically they have um, the CRA is doing everything they're handling the study systems they're handling the regulatory paperwork they're handling um, you know getting all the documents that they need for the file, filing it and all that stuff. So at my company, basically they've broken those roles down into three separate roles. So I work in tandem with the CRA that's traveling and then also a CTC, which is like the clinical trial coordinator who does back end things uh, for the site and they help us with documents and filing and things like that. And then um, the remote site monitor or now the assistant CRA, we come in and we do site calls. So that's really like the crux of our day where we're having a site call depending um, how many times a month just depends on the monitoring plan. So it just so happens that mine for both of my studies are once a month. Wow. So we do a site call once a month, which is only 18 calls a month. Give me but an I'm example. Big... I'm a site. Call me. Hello, Vita. How's it oh. going? So we're going over. Sure, sure. So we have a template that we go over for each 
um, study, and that's determined by the monitoring plan. So um, we go down the same template. We're talking about the subjects that they have. We're really drilling down into enrollment numbers. Mm. We're drilling down into the screening process. We're talking about the patients that have been randomized already. Um, if they're on the dosing schedule, if they have any like skills and things that they need to do. Um, we're looking at the labs that they've been sending in. So every single thing pertaining to the study, except for looking at patient data. So okay. we're just making okay. sure the site is doing everything that they need to do. We're looking at open queries, asking them to go ahead and close them while we're on the call, um, and then sending regulatory documents because the traveling CRA, so basically the way that our company has it set up basically is that we are the RSM or the assistant CRA is the first point of contact. So they reach out to us because their traveling CRA is on the road. So, um, and if we don't know the answer to whatever their question is, we will send them to the correct person. So we'll send them to the CTM or we'll send them to the CRA or, you know, most times, most often we can answer that question. So it's a lot of like, not only just doing the, the um, site calls, but we're also doing uh, managing documents for the site. And that's a big thing. Like we're looking at open findings. We're trying to close the findings that we can. A lot of findings can only be closed um, by being on site. So we handle the ones that are outside of that realm. Are these findings um, like source finding or, regula or regulatory? No, no, like just open findings. Like they could be regulatory. It can be like if they're implementing a new protocol amendment, then we need to see okay. that they have implemented that amendment. Um, if, you know, we need to check records on site, like fringes, temperature logs, you know, things like that, IP temperature logs and stuff. So those open findings we do go over on the call. We don't necessarily, we aren't able to close all of them, but we do touch on it and see, you know, which mm. findings we can close and expire documents and things like that we collect. And do you get involved in the IRB portal? Like, do you mm -hmm. see like what's in there? So I have a gripe now that I'm, I had like a 10 year break where I was. So from 2005 till 2012 maybe I was like yeah. hands dirty being a coordinator and then from 2012 2013 till last year so like seven eight years I was just supervising people like I didn't get my hands I didn't know any password to any portal I didn't do anything I just made sure we got studies we got patients now I'm back in there and these IRB portals they really oh. annoy me all right yeah today it's I locked into one it's a nightmare. I You're logged right. into one, the big one. Mm -hmm. There's only like two big ones. The one of the big ones. Mm -hmm. uh, I logged in. I'm like, I need, here's the actual thing. Okay. I was looking, we have to buy a fridge for a new study. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I think the fridge needs to be between two to eight Celsius. I think from mm -hmm. what I remember, we didn't even start the study yet. So let me just double check before I buy this fridge. So I went in the IRB portal. I can't find it. I found every single thing that the sponsor submitted. Like, here's a certificate that we submitted a translation in Spanish for this questionnaire. Here's like a social media ad certificate. I need the freaking protocol, Fida. I can't find this thing in there. I know. And I feel the same way. So we use the same... IRB for both of these studies actually <laughs> and it is like a black hole but why is it so bad I don't know I think the, the good thing with us though is that 
someone else really handles that. So it's another team that handles like, it's like the country approval specialist. We have a role, a job role um, that with that title. And so they handle a lot of those things, but um, yeah, it is difficult when you go in there. It's, it's hard to find what you need. A lot of times it's just easier to get it from the site if you can, if they're working with the central <laughs> IRB. So yeah, you know, no good kidding. Luck. Good luck. So I bought the fridge yeah. based off of what was in here, like my memory. Oh. That's what, so that's how efficient right it is. I don't know. We're going to find out. <laughs> We're going to find out. I still haven't found the protocol. Um, okay. Yeah, that needs to change. Like you should be in there and just find the most important documents first. We don't need certificates that something's been submitted. I don't need all that. I don't need 200 things like a banner ad. Here's a, here's the bottom of the banner ad approval. Here's the sidebar. We're not even going to mm -hmm. use those. Things. I don't need any of that. I need protocol. I need informed consent. I need it right in front of me when I log in. That's all I ask for. Sorry. That's a rant, you. Vita. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. I need someone from IRB on this podcast soon. Um, okay. So let's go way back. Way, way, way back. Georgia State University, right? Bachelor's journalism. Way back. Yes. Way back. All right. Uh, when did you first hear about clinical research? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I have a family member. I have a couple of family members actually now that are in clinical research. But back then, my cousin worked for Emory in their clinical research department. So that was the first time that I had ever heard about clinical research. Um, and she was doing, I think she was doing like depression studies. She was in the psych department. Okay. So her degree was in psychology and she, you know, she would always talk to me. We would talk about what we're doing and, you know, it sounded interesting. Um, so a little later on, I, so my degree was in journalism with an emphasis in public relations. And so I started doing some marketing for a clinical research office here in Atlanta. Mm. So that was my first um, taste of clinical research in general. And they were doing through Alzheimer's. this person, through this uh through your contact or? And, um, well, yeah, sort of, this was, this was one of the offices that she, um, this was a couple of years after she worked for Emory when she became a CRA and she was traveling. This was actually one oh. of her sites in Atlanta. Oh, so and she's so, like, Hey Vita, like they need help basically. Right. Oh, right okay, exactly. Okay. So I started working in the office and, um, like I said, I was doing, um, the marketing for their Alzheimer trials and then, um, and then kind of, you know, I worked there for a bit. My career took me in a different direction. But during COVID, um, I think I started thinking about what I really wanted to do. And I thought, you know, of course, we're looking at an uh, international pandemic on our hands. Um, and clinical research just started coming to the forefront of my mind again somehow. So um, I talked to my cousin again. I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting into research again. And she said she just always encouraged me. She told me she thought she thought that I would make a good CRA. And that's kind of the only thing I really knew about research. I didn't know a whole lot else. Just working in the office, like I did have um, a lot of contact with the coordinators and with the PI. But like the back end, like like working on the CRO side, I see that it's so vast. Like there's so many different things you can do in clinical research. So it's opened my eyes a lot. So um, so 
I decided to take your, your course, your CRA Academy course. Yes. And then I also, I got this book. I don't know if you can see it, but I'm going to hold it up. I don't know if you can see that, but anyway, it's the CRA's guide to monitoring. Oh, Elizabeth Weeks Row, right? Elizabeth Weeks yes, Row. And I don't She's know awesome. if you know this, but you're in this book. I don't know if you know that. She mentioned uh, you in this book. Oh, and so <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, I love so, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. So um, I decided to take your class, but not only that, you know, I, I put everything I, I had into the class. I really wanted to learn. I was reading, you know, the CRA's guide to clinical research. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to try to get a very well-rounded um, background or a well-rounded understanding of what clinical research was. So, um, so I started applying, like I said, to the big CROs and I had a CRO in mind that I wanted to apply and that's ended up, that's the one that I ended up being with and who I'm with right now, but, um, they weren't calling me back. So I just went. And that's the good one. The one you're with is the good one. <laughs> <laughs> it is the good one. I've heard, I don't, I don't know for sure. So. <laughs> good thing you're, good thing you're not at the bad one. Yes. Yes. Knock on wood. So, <laughs> um, so I didn't know, you know, if that was going to work out or not, me just applying and applying for the CRA role, just coming from a cold background of not having any research, not having any scientific or biology background or anything like that. So I decided, you know what, you know, I heard a lot of your podcasts. You said, just, just take anything you can get. And that was basically where I started. So I started calling. I literally started cold calling sites in Atlanta. And I was like, Hey, um, are you wow. looking for a research assistant or a coordinator? And so, um, somehow I applied for a position online and then I called, um, the Atlanta center for medical research. And then I also emailed them. Like I was, I was totally like stalking Good. them. Well, let's and go so, with the stalking a little bit. Like, uh -huh. first of all, that's amazing because I give that advice and most don't do it like it maybe yeah. 5%. So maybe give us a little more color on approximately how many you called, what did you say, what did they say, did they even answer, who got back to you like percentage wise because people will listen they're like, "All right, I'm going to try." And they call one and they nobody answers, so they're over it. They're like, "Oh, I tried. That's it. I guess it's not meant for me." Like what did right. you do? So I probably called about 20 different sites in Atlanta and I kind of came at it from different angles. I not only um, called the site, but I also um, applied to the positions that they had online. But then I also reached out, I looked on LinkedIn onto their uh, pages, onto the site's pages, if they had a page. And then I would reach out to who, who seemed like the HR person. So I was like, I was not going to take no for an answer. Wow. <laughs> So you're gutsy. Somebody called somebody somebody called me back from a LinkedIn message that I sent. So I sent the LinkedIn message to um, the person at the Atlanta Center for Medical Research, and then um, she messaged me back and she said, "Well, apply online." I said, "I already did," and I gave her like the job ID and all that, and I said, "I would love to work there. Um, I would love, you know, to do anything." So she called me in, and they basically said, "What's wow. your background?" And I said, "Well, that's really funny you asked." You know, I just have to turn everything into a positive. I don't ever say, you know, oh, I don't have a clinical research background and then just kind of leave it at that. No, turn everything into a positive. I said, you know, I came from administrative background. I did clinical research in the past and I just kind of talked my way into that 
role. And she, she said, she said, wow, you seem really enthused. And I said, I really am. I said, I really, really want to do clinical research again. You won't be disappointed. And wow, said, Vita. I love you even more after hearing this story. Oh. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, so like what made you do that? Did you force yourself? Are you naturally this kind of person? Like from yeah, childhood? Yeah, I'm kind of naturally like that. Like okay. I can be, um, I can be shy and everything, but when there's something that I really want, especially like I really wanted to get into this field and I knew that I could do it. I just, I just wanted to relay that if you give me a chance, you aren't going to be disappointed with my performance. Like I'm such a teachable person and I'm like so happy to be here. And so, you know, and they were great. And um, so I was just a research assistant. So I'm kind of mid-career, but I went in there and there were like 19, 20 year olds that I was working alongside. And so they were just kind of looking at me like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, hey guys, you know. I just oh, at the site, at the site, right? <laughs> right, right. Okay. The site. <laughs> so everybody was like in college, they were finishing up their degrees and everything. Wow. And I'm just kind of coming in at the very, very bottom. But I just, you know, took all of those as I, as took all the challenges as I came you know, and try to learn as much as I can. And even though I was only there for three months, like that, that really gave me the foundation so that when I did go to go to the CRO, that um, I was able to talk about my experience at the site and, um, and tell them, you know, not only do I have a certificate in clinical research, um, but I do have a little bit of site experience. So, um, and so that helped me, I think, get in the door. At the oh, CRO. Yeah. What was the site? experience was an internship or did they actually like hire you they hired me okay, so i was awesome. a research assistant so the way that it worked at the site the research assistants and the coordinators worked together and um they pretty much did uh, you know the same job you know we we did we we drew labs we did the ekgs we did all that stuff so basically we were focusing on site studies so we had um we had, a, we had a okay. things, yeah going on so these are college kids to be honest how many tiktoks were going on during your <laughs> average day actually i never saw a tiktok being filmed so wow amazing <laughs> yeah amazing that's really I'm cool surprised. so three months three months at this site which sounds yeah. like like a relatively larger site right not a, not a small one okay uh but your experience you liked it you Mm-hmm. You enjoyed it. Did you do like basically everything, like a little bit of everything? Mm-hmm. So we really, the research assistants would run the visits. And so we would do everything. We would do some source. Um, the only thing that we really wouldn't do, we wouldn't have interaction too much with the monitors. I did occasionally, I would mm. like take the books down to the monitors. And then I actually ended up getting pretty close to some of the monitors on our studies. Um, but but we just ran the visits. Like I said, we drew labs, we did vitals, we did things like that for, I, I think I did like five different studies ranging from like schizophrenia to, you know, I love schizophrenia, depression and things like that. So it was an inpatient hospital. So it used to be the center um, that they worked out of used to be a hospital. They turned it into a research facility. So we had inpatient so um, upstairs would be the women's and the men's floors. We would wow. go up there and we would check wow. on our patients. And it, it gave me just a great, it just gave me so much invaluable experience. I loved it. And, and so it was, it was a little bit of a challenge going into work from home because I love to be out. I love to be talking to, to patients, to people and 
I'm a sociable person, but I've, I've gotten acclimated to it. Man, those inpatient, <laughs> you're taking me back to my early days. I started in psych and mm-hmm. my first study as a coordinator was an inpatient psych. Some of those patients, wow. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're like, I have stories to tell my grandkids at some point, Gosh. but I kind of miss psych because here there's no, the town I moved to, Yuma, Arizona, the only psychiatry group is um, part of the hospital. So I just, I can only work with independent clinicians. Um, so I, it looks like I won't be doing psych anytime soon here, but I kind of miss it. Yeah, I do too. I bet. I mean, you know, it's, it's a great experience. I had a, I had one of the patients, he had schizophrenia. He just ran up on me really quickly. I was walking down the hallway and he ran up on me. It, it, you know, it rattled me a little bit, but you know, that's just the way it was. And I had a guy, I was driving him and he was behind me. I was picking him up from his boarding care to go to the hospital. And he was like out of it. You know, I don't even know how this was okay, but they told me to do it. This was like, Oh five. One of the first things I had to do when I got hired. And this guy was like right behind me, like talking to himself and he was a little bit agitated. So I was like, just kept looking in the rearview mirror, like if he's going to choke me out or something in the middle of the freeway, <laughs> I was scared, but I was, I learned quick, like how to calm him down and just relax. You, know? you learn a lot with the psych patients. You do definitely. So from there, like, did they recruit you or you were looking like actively as soon as you get to the site, like your goal was always CRO? Yeah, my goal was always a CRO because I saw that, you know, my cousin was traveling. She was a CRA. She made, um, you know, she made a really good salary. So that was always in the back of my mind. Now that I'm here at the CRO, I don't I don't even know. I mean, I do want to be become a CRO. I think that's kind of the jumping off place for um, like being a CTM or just going in so many different directions. But I don't know that I will kind of sit in that role for years, you know. Um, because traveling is hard and it's a lot, um, but yeah. I, I definitely will do that at some point. Yeah. Road warriors, CRAs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. I mean, I have respect. I'd had a few stints as a con- like a three years, maybe contract CRA, but uh, I only had three sites and they were all in California. So I only had to fly to one. So it wasn't that like, I didn't fly coast to coast or any of that stuff. Um, I couldn't imagine the CRAs out there are really road warriors and amazing. Like, I don't know how they do it. Like the full-time CRAs, but so many people want to have that role because it's like the industry brand name, you know, clinical research, you just think CRA for some reason. There's so many other roles. And so journalism, so it makes sense how you went now from journalism and marketing, really PR, um, it's you you knew somebody they got you in then it was always in the back of your mind and then after COVID you came back to the site so what were you doing like in between you said you went you were doing something completely different I was a teacher so I taught children with autism oh okay elementary school teacher so I I've just done so many different things you know um but But that's important you to prepare for you know, what you're currently doing, you, you, all of the skills that you do in your life. I mean, that's how I look at it. Everything is transferable. It just really depends on your outlook. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Ashley Margo, one of your 
colleagues, actually, she said the same thing. She had a student that was um, a ballerina instructor. And the student was telling her, I don't know, transferable. And she's like, yeah, look, let's break down your job. Mm-hmm. And then she found like 20 things as transferable skills. All of a sudden, this person had a bunch of confidence going into the interviews. So you're, but you're naturally confident person, right? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I never really thought about that. I never, I don't look at myself as a naturally confident person, but But you're naturally like willing to go out there and say, Hey, you know, site X, Y, Z, like, right. So that's I guess I just don't take no for an answer. That's That's probably what it is. So I think you'd be a good CRA. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, you make a good so. CRA. Um, all right. So, like long term goal, you kind of alluded to CTM. It, are you still thinking like along those lines? Um, I'm not quite sure. I was talking to my line manager the other day, and our conversation was just, you know, what do you want to do? Because they do a great job of, of listening to what your needs are and pointing you in the direction and giving you the tools you need to move move up. So that's where we're at right now, just the point of looking at what all is out there. I might go in the direction of people manager. I might, because I, I do like to encourage others. I come from a teaching background. That's where I'm most mm-hmm. comfortable. Um, and, and I look at my role right now kind of in a teaching way too, just like guiding sites and, and, you know, walking alongside them to be the best that they can be for the sponsor. So I just look at myself almost like a teacher. Um, but so, yeah, I don't know if I want to become a CTM or if I want to go in a different direction, but I feel like the more and more experience I get at the CRO level, I will, you know, I'll know in my heart which direction I want to go. But I do want to become a CRA because I went to the CRA Academy I have, you know, pretty much my knowledge base is there. And now I'm the assistant CRA. And, you know, I I remember seeing one of your IMV reports like you've done. You've actually done IMV reports. I I don't know that you saw mine. I don't think I've done an IMV report, but. Oh, from um, our internship. Okay. Okay. Yeah, from the internship. But, but that's the big, so we'll be looking at data. That's something we don't do now. And we'll be writing the reports and then traveling, of course. But I don't think it will be too big of a stretch or too much of a leap. I see. As a, as a um, in your current role, do you write reports right now? No, we don't no. write reports. Okay. I was always curious, actually. I never asked Ashley about that. Um, I guess that would be a good, not a bad idea to have the, you guys would hate it, but maybe like have the, remote site monitors or the research uh, CRA assistants, um, not writing actual monitoring reports, but writing reports like for what you guys do just to get, because mm-hmm. I think the goal is like for these big CROs is to get you guys up to speed to be CRAs and then they could bring the new people in and fill your role that you left. So it would make sense to have you do some of those kind of things, but there's probably a reason why they don't. They're smarter than I am over there. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Well, I think that's the direction that they're going. So um, with the new model that we have, um, becoming the assistant CRA, and then there's a remote track, and then there's a traveling track, and you can just choose which mm-hmm. track you want to go down. So um, with the new studies that are coming up, 
As part of the monitoring plan, I do believe that the assistant CRAs will be doing remote visits with SDB and wow. writing reports. So, wow. um, you know, that's on the horizon, but it's it won't be implemented until I get placed on a new study. And my study right now is my one of my studies is going to 2024 and the other one, um, we're just not sure when that one's going to end. So for the time being, I'm basically doing a remote site monitor. Role. The role, the role that you're in is interesting because you have, you're not, you're not a CRA or a CRC. You're like in between and you deal with both. Right. Who, who do you enjoy dealing with more? And, uh, what are the pros and cons of each? Like, I know everyone's different, but there's gotta be some similarities. No? Yeah. So the CTC, they basically help us a lot with filing documents. So we work with Viva in Viva Vault. Mm. And so they are doing a lot of the back-end filing for us. So, I mean, I can't say I enjoy working with one or the other because they just do totally different things. And then on the other hand, the CRA is is available. Um, we're, we have access to them. Um, but in reality, we really don't talk to them that often. So whenever like I do a site management call, I might um, copy them on the follow-up email with the meeting minutes and everything mm. included that we discussed just so that they could be on the call. I mean, just so that they could be in the loop. And then also like if a site is having an issue, they always um, email me, but they copy the CRA so that they could be in the loop. But like, so the CRA handles everything site-wise, the CTC handles everything on the back end, um, you know, in our Viva Vault system, our TMF and all that. So and what about mm-hmm. what about the CRC, like at the site level? Um, what's the best and worst parts of interacting with them so far? Um, well, like for instance, one of my sites just got on an SPIP, which is an Im- improvement plan, um, because they were they were just not being compliant. So sometimes, you know, you do have to have those hard conversations with sites. Um, the CRA <laughs> led the call. I was on the call. I was actually out of the office, but I listened in because you know it was very important that I know what what direction they were going to move in. So. You know, you do have to have difficult conversations with the sites, but if a site is compliant, they're doing everything they need to do. It's honestly a joy to work with them. And I mean, all of them are really a joy to work with. It's just a matter of getting them to the point of feeling like we are there to walk alongside them. We're not there to punish them or anything like that. We're there to help them, like I said before, just be their best self. You know, so that's why we want to work with them again, you know, so um, it helps. But everybody has a positive attitude, but some sites do, they just feel like, why do we have to have these calls? You know, it's just so time consuming. So I do what I can to work around that. We have like an email transcript. We can send them if they're too busy. So we try to be flexible with sites as much as possible. But at the end of the day, you know, we do have to follow the monitoring plan and stay on track. I think your CRO so far, I only have four studies. And the reason I was laughing when you said that is today mm-hmm. I had to back up my, both my coordinators are gone. So I had to like get back into it. Um, and I'm laughing because, well, your CRO is not that CRO. So they won't have a call with me. But uh, I'm laughing because we were talking earlier about me not being compliant. I couldn't find the papers. 
I couldn't find like the actual scale, so I just printed them from the protocol. And my CRA already told me not to do that. But I had, it was either do that or not do it at all. So I went with doing it. Um, so yeah, I'll, you know, I'll probably have a call soon. But yeah, your CRO is my CRO for a study that's about to start. So I'm probably going to have these. They do site calls with everybody, right? Like all those. Um, for the most part. So some of them don't have, as part of the monitoring plan, they haven't budgeted for a remote site monitor. So it just depends. Okay. okay. It really depends on the study. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe I'll, I'll report back if I do. And because uh, I've never actually been on the other end of this call to see like what what's discussed. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah. All right, Vita. Well. This was an awesome interview. I think there's a lot of takeaways. And by the way, everybody go connect with Vita. She's somebody that you have to connect with. Have you started like going to conferences and things like that or not yet? Um, not really. But which conferences would you recommend? I'm, <laughs> I haven't uh, really. It depends what your interests are. Like the last year I've been like very science focused, not so much like what's trendy like decentralized trials, I could care less about this stuff, but like DIA bio, like I'm really interested in the new biotech, some of the stuff. So it really depends what you're interested in. Like if you're a DT, DCT vendor, you know, you're obviously going to go to, they have their own conference, but you would go to like Society of Clinical Research Sites. They're talking about that stuff there. There's probably a conference, ACRP. I think that one's like a good all around one. Um, and then SOCRA uh they i yeah. think they still have conferences but yeah acrp scrs bio dia those are like kind of the big ones but it all depends on your interests like you might be interested in gi and they have gi has like their own conference every year like psych psych had nc do which they changed the name to something else but it just depends like what you're interested in at the time and that's the thing i, I did a video yesterday like your your ambitions evolve you know as you get older you can slightly change your course of your career and the awesome thing about this industry is it's very flexible like you know you don't have to be like rigid like oh this is like the path and if i deviate from this it's over it's like no you can do a lot of things within this space there's a lot of different places you can specialize in and you can change like most of them transferable skills once you've been a crc and a remote site monitor and a CRA, like you pretty much can do anything in the industry at that point. So true. That's so true. And that's why I want to become a CRA because not just because that was the original direction I was going, but because it opens up the doors for really just a launch pad for anything else. And I definitely want to plug the CRA Academy while I'm on here because yes. that <laughs> I couldn't have done it without the CRA Academy. I learned so much and then just, you know, researching everything on my own, but that was really just a jumping off point for me to get in clinical research. So um, I really learned a lot. It, it really helped my confidence level. And um, so I'd say if anybody is on the fence about doing the CRA Academy, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. And I know you came in as a guest presenter. How, how did that go, by the way? It went well. Uh, we talked to the class. The class was pretty quiet, but you and I and and uh, 
I think it's Chris, Chris Sauber. He was oh, yeah, on, we were on there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My bad. My bad. And so that was great. We all, we all got a chance. I, I got a chance to tell a little bit of my story, what, which I told here. And um, I think there were a few, a few questions, but people were pretty much pretty quiet on the call. So, but that I was a quiet them. class. Yeah. That was a that quiet was a class. Quiet. Yeah. Very nice class though. Yeah. And I welcome anybody if they ever have any um, questions about, you know, what I do or just anything, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I always accept friend requests and um, I, I would definitely point you in the right direction if I know. Let's see. Um, I have I your LinkedIn here. Vita Milani. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so link will be underneath the video and on the podcast it'll be in the show notes and yeah Vita I mean we're gonna do more of these it's it's clear to me that you you know your career like you can really accomplish a lot in this industry with your attitude skill set and just the way you go about things um, I know the way you like approached me as a graduate of our academy it's it's unusual, but in a good way. And so I think that you are an outlier in a sense. And I think that's like done your career already in a short time. Like it's done a lot for your career and it could do a lot in the future. So just keep at it. You're doing everything the right way. I Thank think. you so much. I appreciate that. That means a lot, Dan. Yeah, it's true. Vita, it's true. So everybody go connect. Vita's going places, right? She might be calling you next for your next site call. So be ready. Answer the call. How many answer their call? Can they just ignore you? Like, oh, like Vita's calling me uh for my site call. I'm just gonna ignore. She could call me next month. Does that it, work? It happens occasionally, yeah. <laughs> but I have to get that call in or else. I tell them they will be non-compliant. And when I wow. use that word, that pricks people's ears up. So, <laughs> And this is exactly why I hired CRCs. <laughs> so they got to answer. Me, I don't know. If I can, you know, I'll answer it. Uh, thank you so much, Vita. I really appreciate it. Everybody go connect. Vita Milani. Uh, just go connect with her. Ask her whatever you want on LinkedIn. She's very accessible, approachable. Uh, and obviously a really cool person to get to know. So thank you very much, Vita. Thank you, Dan. I had a great time. Me too. Thank you, everybody, for watching, listening. Catch you later. Bye-bye.